Praise the Lord, Saint. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be home. It's always good to go out and visit other churches and meet the people of God, but there's nothing like coming home and uh, missed you guys. Oh, let's just worship the Lord together. You know, there's so many things going on right now, but we're in the right place. Amen. No place I'd rather be. There is power in the name of Jesus.
it's good to be in the house of God. Yes, it is. Amen. And to be in his presence. Amen. Amen. Uh, amen. The Bible says, uh, amen. Uh, the law came by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. Grace and truth. Amen. amen. Hand in hand. Yes. If it wasn't for grace, we wouldn't have truth. Amen. Thank God for the truth. The Bible says that truth has made us free. Amen. Amen. His blood redeemed us. But amen, he still still kept working. Yes. Amen. To make us free from whatever held us. Amen. And cause us not to know him like we know him now. Right. Amen. amen. Even like uh, deception, doctrines of men. Amen. Lies and falsehood. He made us free from all these. Yes, he did. Amen. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen. Thank God for Amen for the church family. Amen. I, I'm thankful that the saints of God, Amen, are home. Those who have been away. When the saints are gone, boy, you know you can sure feel it in the body. Amen. Miss them, and Amen. So don't ever take anything or anybody for granted. Amen. <laughs> Bound together. Yeah. Amen. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, the Bible says. Amen. That's a common denominator, the Holy Ghost, yes. His Spirit, His love. His love. Amen. Thank God. We're blessed people. Did you know that? Yes, we are. Amen. Amen. We're a blessed people. So thank God, Amen, that we're here tonight. Liberty in His Spirit. Liberty. Don't have to wait for. Uh, the weekend to worship him, we can just come together in his name and amen. He's there with us and we can just give and praise and glory. Amen. Feel his presence. Hear his word. That's the good thing about it. To hear his word and amen. To, he can impart to us. Amen. The spiritual gift or our wisdom or knowledge. Amen. Encouragement. So thank God. I thank God you're all here. Amen. I thank God I'm here. Amen. Amen. So I want to, amen, uh, who wants to stand up and give God the glory? Amen. He's worthy. I know he's working all of us. Brother Rich, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord. I'll stand up and give you all Jesus' name. It's good to be home. Amen. Missed you all very much. I just want to stand up and share a testimony. This was, we got back in Tulsa. Um, traveling gets kind of spendy. Dialysis costs out of pocket and whatnot. I had to come back and we we're getting low on funds in here. The next day after we got home, I checked the mail. I had a $500 check in there for my tribe. I don't know why. I didn't request nothing. It just showed up. And, you know, God does that for us all the time. Because I firmly believe in submitting myself to Him, His will. You know, Scripture says, Seek ye first kingdom of God, His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. You know, it doesn't matter if it's money or even just this. Mm-hmm. If you're weary in the spirit, even in the body, to come and gather in his presence like this, it's beautiful to be able to have that resource, I guess, if you want to yeah. put it that way. You know, something that this world needs mm-hmm. and, and, and doesn't realize the power mm-hmm. in what what we have through the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, I'm thankful to be here. I'm looking, just looking forward to it. Like Pastor mentioned with the opening is just 
can't get enough Jesus. Amen. I, I love it. Amen. I want to be in his presence mm -hmm. at all times. Mm -hmm. You know, it's beautiful to feel that yes. love. The unconditional love. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were our worst, he loved us. Yeah. No matter what, open arm, unconditional, that perfect love. I'm so thankful that I have that. I'm so thankful that I can come here and just feel his presence. I missed, oh, I missed you guys. I wish I could have jumped through the screen Sunday night watching you guys here. It just made me really lonesome, homesick. I love our humble little church. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful that God blessed us with mm -hmm. this. And soon to be across the hall over there. Yeah. Even bigger, yeah. More souls. Yeah. I'm just grateful to be here. I just want to encourage you all to step out of that comfort zone tonight. Expect a move of God. Yeah. Put down your guards and let him work in you. Amen. Let him have liberty. Mm -hmm. Let him change you. Amen. True repentance yes. brings forth change. Amen. So I just want to thank you. Tell him I love him. Amen. Appreciate y'all. Elder Craig, Marshall, I appreciate you. So happy to have you and your family here. Amen. Amen. Sister Betty. I just want to tell the Lord I love him tonight, and I too appreciate my church. It's my home church. It's good to get away and visit and you know share the gospel with other churches and just to be an encouragement to them and but I'm really happy that we have our own church, our own body. Our, and I'm really proud of you guys. I, I'm really thankful that I'm from this body here. I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for the Lord, where the Lord brought me from. Although it was from Denver, when we went and visited our old apartment building, it wasn't there anymore. Wow. There was a great big industrial building there. Wow. Took the whole block and it just wow. didn't look the same. So it squashed my memories, sure. <laughs> but they're in my head. So that's all that counts. And I do remember, you know, living for God in that little apartment. But I thank the Lord for being able to meet some of the saints that we did meet while we were up there and sharing our heartfelt stories with each other. When, wherever you go, you know there's a family. There's family of God. And it's, it's obvious because we share the Holy Ghost. And that's why I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for 
what God has done for each and every one of you in here, Amen. how you've grown. That's what I've, I've experienced since my uh, beginning of walking a million here several years ago when I think it was Mona and Kevin called us asked us to come back and, and uh, run the church here.
I believe the Lord uh, brought me to Den the downtown Denver, you know, Miss, uh, Sister Martha took us. It was something to see because there's people out there that don't have anything. Yeah, there's uh, homeless people that, you know, they put on an act just to get more money and stuff, but we sat down with one in a bus and you could tell how sincere he was, how real it was. Sister Martha started asking him questions and whatnot, and it, it really did something to me. You know, I don't want to complain about anything. That's right. God has given us shelter, food, clothes, transportation. Can you imagine if you, like, if you were on the streets of Denver in the cold in the winter times? I couldn't even, like, what do they do? Where do they go? Yeah, there's shelters, but they, they can only be there for so long, and they get kicked out, and others go in there. You know, and, you know, we complain about long drives or heat or cold or whatever, but we have clothes and we have shelter to go to no matter how hot or cold. Amen. And that does something, you know. Amen. I just wanted to stay there and walk around and give them stuff. Like Sister Martha, she has a burden like that. And I can feel that burden. And I, one of these days, it'd be nice to just go back, give out clothes, you know, stand on the street and talk to them, you know, lift them up and preach God's word like he wants us to. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't be complaining anymore. I know mm -hmm. I've complained a lot, but we're spoiled. We are spoiled. Amen. Amen. You know, they don't have God, and they're making it. We have God, and we complain about trying Ooh, to make it. Come on, What's man. going on? We need to, you know, stand firm and just keep praying, keep reading, keep coming to the house of God. Keep, you know, blessing our pastor and his wife, all these elders, all these ministers that come through here. You know, they, they'll, they'll probably have hard times, too, but that's where we come in as saints to help each other, love one another, you know? Amen. It's awesome how God just moves in each and every one of our lives. Yeah. He doesn't like complainers. You know, like Brother yeah. Luke said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto oh, you. No. It's that easy for us. But to those that are without, oh, it's so much harder. But God hears their prayers, and I continue to pray for those lost souls. I continue to pray for our little church body. There's going to be more souls. There's going to be a great move, and I'm excited, you know, and I just yeah. want to want to reach out more than ever before. Mm -hmm. I thank Amen. God for everything he has Amen. given us and blessed Amen. us with, and he's going to continue to do so. So be content in whatever state you are in. Amen. 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 God yes. bless each and every one of of God, and especially my pastor and his wife. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. You know what? A lot of things, a lot of great, great things happen from humble beginnings. Yes. Amen. I believe they're ever talking of that. I remember when it came from Denver with the gospel. Boy, it started something big. Amen. Sure did. It's still spreading to this day. That's how good God is. Amen. So God bless y'all. Turn up to Pastor Harold. said earlier it's good to be home and uh, I was able to spend 
a lot of time with some of our spiritual siblings up there. We were just kind of reminiscing and talking about, you know, a lot of times that, uh, you know, we've seen God move and, and uh, we're just thinking about the greatness, the goodness of God, things that we experience and, and we kind of caught ourselves at times just amazed at how the Lord just, you know, he, he did things that were just would blow your mind. And, and I know several, several of our, of our brethren up there, of course, you know, uh, since uh, Brother Javier uh, stepped down from the pastor uh, of Liberty Apostolic Tabernacle, uh, some of them kind of went their different ways and different churches, still living for God. Some of them moved on and out of state and everything. But when, when you talk about the time of visitation that we experience and everything about it and, and uh, some were even in awe about you know the presence of God and the move of God and then coming back to that revelation of the only reason why we experienced it was because of fasting and prayer fasting and prayer and that's the I believe is the backbone of any move or any church is fasting and prayer and, and we, we are definitely going to see great things if we want to see great things. If we really desire great things. And, and you know, it, it's good to have that zeal. It's good to have that, you know, expectation. Just believing God is able to move. And, and, but it's got to be fueled by a sacrifice of prayer and fasting. And uh, I'm just so thankful. Uh, Every time we go back to, to Denver, it just seems like the Lord stirs me up because he, he, you know, I'm reminded of where he brought me out of, what he brought me out of, where I came from. Uh, we just decided one day just to go back and visit our old neighborhood and drove down there and we got to 44th and Calumet and lo and behold, that apartment structure was gone and there's a great big industrial building that spanned the whole block and it was just like, things have changed. And not too far from there, a couple blocks west of there, uh, we, we went to a park that, uh, amen, that we recognized right away. That park was still there, but it was a park that uh, Sister Betty and I, our, our engine, our 1973 Chevy Impala blew its engine. And so we were out of, without a vehicle for a little while. And, and one time we were just taking the kids to the park. And we went to that specific park and we seen a real nice Chevy station wagon and a blue color parked there and I told us that's the kind of vehicle we need for our kids and so we both looked at that vehicle and we said let's agree together the Bible says if we agree on anything let's agree together Amen. so we did we prayed for a vehicle just like that and in Jesus name guess what the Lord gave us that vehicle and about two months down the road he gave us the exact kind of vehicle the exact color Amen. and uh, as we drove as the salesperson was driving the out from around the building. He said, it's behind, we, we got all the paperwork done, it's behind the building, we didn't see it yet. He said, it's a good running station wagon, it's a Chevy station wagon, he drove it out, and lo, lo and behold, we were amazed because it was the same color of the vehicle we prayed for. And, and the same make, and when he drove it out and pulled it around front, we noticed something when he pulled out of that little lot there, on the back of the, on the bumper sticker on the right side in the back, it said, praise the Lord. Amen. 
you know, uh, of course, Brother Javier is talking about the move of God up here, and so many people are, you know, just in awe of the work of God up here, and and they just, you know, they're they're gonna there's gonna be some coming one day just to pay us a visit because they they want to experience what we experience up here. Obviously, it's awesome. Amen. We serve an awesome God, so I'm looking forward to that day. So, um, before I forget. Uh, this Friday we're having an Indian taco sale, so I think the grocery list is posted, so if, if you can donate, if you can help, it would sure be a blessing, so let's not forget that. Let's do what we can to, to amen, just to, to keep this thing going. Praise God. Putting the shoulder to the wheel. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful. Then, uh, appreciate brother. Aaron for taking care of things Sunday morning and for Brother Craig coming back and ministering. Uh, we, I didn't get to hear the whole thing, but we watched it a little bit. And uh, praise God, thankful that they, they were here to, to help us. And praise God, especially again tonight. And uh, they'll be headed on their way back down to Texas early this morning. So as he come up, as he comes up and takes his liberty, give the Lord a hand clap and uh, let's do what we can to do this. Amen. Get behind the word of God. Sightseeing and drove around just testing the local waters and doing that so we can kind of get the pulse of what's going on. As an evangelist, we, we 
we do that at times in a lot of the different cities, communities we've been in in this nation. We want to get the pulse of what's going on so we can know how to pray for the men of God. So a lot of the times when we get behind the pulpit, it's not just screaming something that we feel like is going to make you happy. We do our best to try to hear from God. And that's the most important thing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I am, I'm really just full of admiration for Brother Harold and his ministry and you people that support it. When you can look around and see it etched into reality here, this building and everything that it represents. And I know this, and I know this isn't just me, but way beyond any human inclination that if you'll continue to position yourself and ready yourself, poise yourself, because that matters to God. God is doing some tremendous things. Yeah. And there's always got to be a raising of the bar. Greater things, greater things, greater things, greater things. Yeah. But you have to dwell deep. That was something yeah. that Jeremiah told the people of God. He said, if you're going to to persist in the things of God speaking to Judah, he said, you have to dwell deep. Mm -hmm. You have to get some roots. No root, no fruit. Come on. So when we have roots, it, then we start bearing fruit. So I thank God for all of it. Give honor to all of you tonight. Uh, Sister Taryn, do you want to testify before I minister the word tonight? Praise God. Go ahead. I'll make you. Stand up. <laughs>
blessed to have been able to stay for a few days because Brother Harold you know, Sister Betty in their house to us. And I promise you we didn't feel that we didn't dig around. We <laughs> <laughs> minded our manners. I can tell my wife, don't go in there. <laughs> Preacher, it's it's a real expense. Costing somebody something. Town of Fellowship, brother, sister Edwards, you have to sit down and write this down. We know that very well, don't we? Thank you for the privilege to get to know you and all the rest of you. Thank goodness, what a joy. We're we're blessed. I tell you, we're leaving full. We're leaving Vermilion very full, very thankful, and yet very humbled. Because I will tell you that we are absolutely nothing tonight, and we realize that. And in every opportunity that we have, Paul said, let us therefore do good unto all men. As we have therefore the opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. So it's not only when there's opportunity, but in those moments of importunity. That importunity, that hour when... It's the midnight hour, and you might be in a position where you feel ashamed about things, but the Lord talked about an hour of importunity, how the Lord still moves in those those times, and so thank God for it. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'll do my best to be mindful of the times. The book of Romans... Chapter 8. While you're finding Romans 8, I want to again say to you tonight that as we grace this pulpit, thank God for the honor and the opportunity. As well, Sunday night, we were praying and I came. I felt an impression so strong. I'm going to quote a verse of scripture that I gave you Sunday night here again tonight. And I'm going to predicate where I'm going on this statement. But just put it in your heart for a moment because we'll be coming back to it sometime later, the Lord willing. Jeremiah said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil because I have an expected end. And without lifting the cover and going any further, you must understand that he made that statement at a very, very dark moment in the history of Judah and Israel. It was a very, very dark moment. Things were not going well. They were on the eve of captivity. And yet even in the midst of all that, he said, the Lord has peaceful thoughts about you. He has an expected end for you. And so I come again with that in mind. There's something that God is doing that we may not grasp the full picture, but if you'll just stay in your place, God will use you. Look at your neighbor and say, I want God to use me. If you have uh, Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read um, probably in our hearing two or three verses. In fact, I tell you, this is what we'll do. Let's pray together. 
Let's pray, and then after we're done praying, I'll let you be seated. Is that okay? Let's just take a moment right now and ask God to help us. Father, as we lift our voices together collectively, we ask for your anointing. The prophet said that your word would not return void, but it would accomplish that which it was sent to do. It would give bread to the eater and seed to the sower, and it would not return void. And we come, Lord, with God, a living word and a seed that is broadcast, and even that which is prophetic that pertains to living stone, apostolic church, God, that it, O oh God, would begin to etch upon the table of our heart, your heartbeat, your desire, your vision, O oh God, for souls and for millions, souls, Lord, that will branch out from this ministry, God, onto the reservations and into the communities. Granted, God, because of who you are to me, and because you could swear by no greater, bear your holy arm, God, to prove your word, and to allow it, O oh God, to move with revival and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. I'll let you be seated. I'm going to read in our hearing together several verses commencing. Oh, verse 28, very familiar one. Am I doing something that makes that? Or no, it says on its own. Okay, I thought maybe. Oh, trying to, oh, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I probably hear it somewhere. Did you hear it? Hey, somebody's trying to rebuke us. Hey, did you hear that, Bill? Somebody's trying to rebuke us. And we know that all things, all things work together for good. Contingent upon your love for God. And to understand that you and I are the called according to His purpose. Somebody say divine purpose. Somebody say God's purpose. It's holy purpose. Speaking of the church, Paul begins to say, for whom, that word whom is plural. It's not referring to one person. And this next verse is where some of the religions of man get the idea that once you're saved, you can never be lost. But just let me reinforce the word of God tonight and remind us there is no such thing as eternal grace. There is a chance that people will backslide and walk away from God. Because you and I are still given over to free moral agency. You know what that's called? Choice. So when Paul is getting ready to say this, he's not talking about the destiny of an individual. He's talking about the destiny of his church. He foreknew his church. He also did predestinate them to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And we're right there. We are in the justification process. We are not to the glorification place yet. 
But we are working for that, aren't we? Yes. So I want you to look at your neighbor again and just real casually tell them, you're called, you're chosen, God handpicked you, you're not here by accident. So tell them, so don't backslide. Now look at somebody else and say, let's get rid of the lukewarm. <laughs> well, I think I just got a message from that. Let's see. Uh, hallelujah. So God knew ahead of time. That's why he told the disciple, the gates of hell are going to fight against you. But they will not prevail. I heard a message preached one time and said, I'd rather be miserable and saved than to be comfortable and lost. Let that sink in a little while. <laughs> you mean you get miserable? Oh, you do too. It hasn't always been rosy. Cinnamon rolls didn't always rise, did they, Sister Julia? There were mornings they were flat and hard. We're not talking about our hearts either. There will be days when things don't go your way. Hallelujah. But we know that all things. This leaked out at me, and this is what I'm going to minister on tonight. Verse 31. What shall we say then say to these things? These things. Say that with me. These, these things. We've all dealt with things, haven't we? We have all gotten upset about things. We've all been sad about some things. We've been, as we say in our Lakota language, Iwoblu about some things. Get knocked sideways a little bit. But what shall we then say to these things? If God before us. Yes. Understand that little two-lettered word is a very powerful word. Because you and I are the ones that make the choice whether or not God is on my side. If God before us. I'm going to try to behave myself tonight. I already feel like the preacher is in the house. Then who can be against us? So the word things in this context, things are circumstances. Things are conditions. A condition is the state of something with regard to its quality and appearance. The second meaning is the circumstances affecting the way in which people live. Things, circumstances, conditions. Some people get the diagnosis that they have a heart condition. All right. Or they got some physical malady or ailment that defines them as having a condition. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. I don't want to be identified as having a condition. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that. 
makes me better than somebody that might have a physical ailment here. But you don't need to let your conditions identify you. Because eventually and inevitably, if we're not careful, those conditions in the form of circumstances will affect the environment that you and I live in. And somebody say, Amen. Amen. So Romans 8 and 31 said, What shall we say to these things? To what things? And then all of a sudden, after that question mark, there is two words. If God. Yeah. If God. Yeah. The only words you need in that equation to make it through is God. Yeah. God. He'll see you through. He'll encourage you. He'll help you. It speaks of a condition. Clause. That word if. So the Lord said, if you love me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight your battles. When it feels like you're the tail, I'm going to come down and remind you that you're the head. If you'll love me. If you'll keep my commandments. There is a condition clause there. But then you go down to verse number 37. And then it says, without getting ahead of myself, may... And all these things, he brings a little more clarity to it. To what things? To these conditions. But there's something in the context of this that Paul adds to it. It's not just an inanimate object, something that is not a living organism that he's talking about. Paul said it's not only conditions, but now he throws into the equation in verse 31. And you can check me when you get home, you go to the concordance. He throws the word persons in there. So sometimes those conditions are attached to people. People that don't want you to succeed in living for God. You see, the devil uses the same principle that the Lord uses. He understands that principle and he knows that if I'm going to get the job done, I've got to use somebody. And sometimes in order to manifest that condition, he'll use people to get it done. You want to know how dirty he is? Sometimes it's a husband. Sometimes it's a wife. Sometimes it's a dear friend. Sometimes it's our children. And this is what I want to minister on for a few moments tonight. Conditions hinder consecration. Conditions, look at your neighbor and say, conditions hinder consecration. Circumstances that come, something that begins to mess with the quality of your character. And it shows because you're not standing upright when you're in that season. Your shoulders are slumped, your face is wide and long. Come on now. Well, I'm sorry. I was born that way. <laughs> just, be, just for that, look at somebody and just really smile at them and show them the teeth that are legally yours. <laughs> I got this one by default. It's called a top plate. Go ahead and show it off anyhow. We don't know any different. Praise God. Somebody say conditions affect consecration. What are we going to say, Paul said? What are we going to do about these things? 
he asked a legitimate question. I feel tonight that what I bring to the table is very relevant Amen. to the future of this church, Living Stone Apostolic Church. And if you'll indulge me, I'll be mindful of the time, but I want to be deliberate tonight and run through some things. I want you to turn back to 2 Samuel chapter number 11. 2 Samuel 11. Hallelujah. 2 Samuel 11, and when you find it, say, I found it. There are two recordings of this particular statement and story chronicled in the Old Testament. One doesn't give the details like this one does in 2 Samuel, but nevertheless, in Chronicles, it mentions this moment in history in David's life. It talks about it. It come to pass, 2 Samuel 11, 1. After the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that was the season. That was the moment. Kings were to be out on the battlefield that David instead sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't say anything about why he stayed, but he sent Joab and all of the fighting men of Israel to the battle. Evidently, apparently, he must have been sick. The Bible doesn't say, but for whatever reason, there was a condition, there was a circumstance that rose up in his life that instead of allowing him to be on the battlefield, he stays home. Somebody say, uh-oh. Uh -oh. And it came to pass in an even time that David arose from off of his bed. He must have been sick and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Didn't stop there. David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the story just begins to get worse. She conceives. She sends word to David. I'm pregnant. All because a condition came up. Yeah. And it kept a man who was a warrior, Brother Paul, instead of where he should have been out on the battlefield, this condition or a situation arises, a circumstance, and this condition confines him to staying home in bed. Evidently, he was sick. Yeah. And so it just so happened that he arises from his bed and he steps out on his veranda and he begins to look around and all of a sudden he, <laughs> he sees this naked, beautiful woman sitting in a bathtub. <coughs> what he should have done was turn around, run inside and close the doors. But a look became a lust. Yes. And a choice became a chain. Yes. Say that with me. A look became a lust. And a choice became a chain. And he allowed conditions 
to rear their head and begin to mess with his destiny as king of Israel. Have you ever wondered what would have it been like if David would have just went back in, closed the door, and said no to all of this? So as a result of this, Brother Edwards went there today. I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalm 51. It's amazing what one little decision will set in motion, huh? Yeah, right. That look, my goodness, not that hot shola. <laughs> he wasn't man enough to look away. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. Somebody say it was a condition that affected his consecration. Mind you, this isn't an ordinary man. He's a king. He's got influence. He's supposed to be holding himself to a higher realm of authority and position. So Psalm 51, I don't know that I'm going to read all of it. Just bear with me. Indulge me. Psalm 51, verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. The heading on my Bible here says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came unto him after that he had gone in unto Bathsheba. He let this circumstance come and define who he was. In that moment of vulnerability, he's supposed to be the king, now he's an adulterer. That look became a lust. That choice became a chain. Not only did he lay with another man's wife, but you know the story. Eventually, he calls this innocent man Uriah to be killed. Isn't it amazing how conditions will change the whole gamut of our society around us? Hallelujah. So he's praying now. As we like to say, Brother Harold, in our language, after it's all done, wash me through from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Somebody say David. So in verse 6, verse 8 rather, make me to hear joy and gladness And metaphorically, he begins to say that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. So now he's not whole anymore. Not literally, physically speaking, but in his spirit, he was saying, now I am in a mess. I'm broken. Somebody say, I am broken. That's what David was saying. Then you read all of that. He talks about in verse 14. The condemnation of blood guiltiness at the, at the life of Uriah, praying to the God of his salvation. He said, if you'll just forgive me and help me, my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Verse 16, thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. Then he says this in verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Something is obviously broken. And to us, when something is broken, it's not a good thing. But to God, 
It's something that he can utilize. Because he goes on to say, A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. So now he's eating humble pie. Yeah. Now this decision, you see, there is a law of sowing and reaping. Yes. You decide something today, you might outlive it for a little while, yeah. but just let me remind all of us, yeah. after a while, yeah. it's going to catch up to us. Yeah. So we better pray, Lord, sterilize those seeds. Yeah. I didn't mean to sow them, the Lord said. Yes, you did. Yeah. And because I'm God, I have to hold on to my law of sowing and reaping. And so here's what happened, and David is in a mess. And so he is... Like we like to do, making the best the, the best of a bad, bad situation. And so metaphorically, he says, Sister Steph, I feel like my bones are broken. Yeah. It's just, it's something here out of joint. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a compound fracture here. I'm fussing up to my sin. I, I did do it, God. I know I shouldn't have, but I realize now how much these things, these conditions have changed everything about me. I'm not the man that I used to be. I was stuck in the moment, God, and I apologize. Forgive me. Wash me with hyssop. Purge me, and I shall be clean. I shall be whiter than snow. And I want all of these things, oh God, to, to, to happen to me. Hide your face from my sin. Blot out all my iniquities and create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me and cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He's getting down to business now. But it's funny because I'm going to throw a word at you and it's going to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I really don't. <laughs> How many of you here have heard of a word called algorithm? Let me see your hand if you have. You, you, you sort of know you've heard the word algorithm. Believe it or not, for whatever reason, that word was dropped into my spirit. I sort of had a clue, but I didn't, so obviously I went to the dictionary. Algorithm is a procedure or formula for solving problems. It's, it's a word that has evolved into the business world, the computer world. It's based on a sequence of actions, this algorithm is. In mathematics and computer science, an algorithm usually means a procedure that solves, now here's a word that's in the definition, R-E-C-U-R-R-E-N-T, recurrent. Not reoccurring, but recurrent. It solves a recurrent problem. And the calculation of this algorithm involves automated reasoning. It's troubleshooting. The computer will go back, and it's not just going to say, I've got a problem. It begins to go back and troubleshoot where the problem exists. So whatever other symptoms are there in this computer, it's not satisfied with just that general knowledge of something's wrong. It begins to search out the matter and find out exactly where the problem is. 
because it's creating symptoms now that it begins to troubleshoot. It goes to one symptom and realizes that that's not it. So it reboots and erases this symptom, if you please. And then it moves on to another one until finally it gets to the source of the problem. The calculation involves an automated reasoning. And I like this. Data processing. So once it hits this point, this is what it's doing. It's beginning to look into the recent history of its workability. Once it opens the pages of this data processing, if you will, the history of its existence, it begins to flip through the pages, so to speak, until it finds, Brother Kevin, why I've got this problem going on. And so when you read Psalm 51, Psalm 51 is David's algorithm. He begins word by word to turn every page, not just systematically, but on purpose. He begins to pray the way he does. He's not just happy with saying, I'm sorry, God. He takes his heart and he exposes it to God and says, Lord, I want you to show me where the problem is at. Somebody say algorithm. algorithm. So you read throughout Psalm 51, there's a voice given to this algorithm. All of these calculations, all of this reasoning begins to come to the surface and in this process, which is a step-by-step -step method of solving whatever problems are there, David is there. He wants to right his wrongs. I find it interesting that the word recurrent means this. Recurrent, the thing that it wants to fix is this within itself. The computer identifies, diagnoses the problem, and it finds out within that system that this is what it's doing. And so it identifies something they call recurrence. It's running somewhere in the system. It's running and turning back in a direction that is opposite to a former course that it is supposed to take. And a lot of times in these algorithms from the Word of God, when we start searching into the history of why it is, I can't stay faithful to God. Sometimes when we start searching, it's going to lead to some recurrence in our life. And we're going to find the reason why that I can't run in the right direction. But for some reason, I find it easier to backslide than to live for God. I find it easier to run from God than it is to run to the altar. What is it? It's a spirit of recurrent. You're trying to run the wrong way. And all of this just started from something, something simple, just little things. Somebody say little things. Little foxes that spoil the vine. It's just, it's just harmless. Go ahead, do it. Nobody sees you. The all-seeing eye of God sees you. And here's how Paul identified it. This recurrent problem. Yeah. Folks running from the cross instead of to the cross. Yeah. Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him yes. that has called yeah. you. If you'll stay in the church as hard as it gets, you give yourself a chance that you'll get over the problem, that you'll get healed up from the pain. And so I'm telling you, if I can cut 
to the chase. No matter how hard it gets, stay in the church. No matter how hard it is, stay in the church. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not, stay in the church. Don't backslide. Tell the man of God, preach to me. Let the algorithm of the word of God search me out. persuading men are God. Paul obviously says, I'm not trying to persuade God. God's not the one with the reoccurrent problem. It's, it's the flesh. It's the church. If, if you made a mistake, don't let that condition define you. Everybody here has made a mistake. Everybody here has been down a wrong road. I said it last Wednesday. I'll say it tonight. Every saint has a past. And every sinner has a future. Give yourself a chance. So we identify the problem. This is why you keep on quitting. Yeah. Ah, there's a disconnect here. Yeah. I was praying some weeks ago, brother. And the Lord quizzed me in prayer. I've been praying, worshiping God. All of a sudden, the Lord asked me for that words. He said, In my word, what is the opposite of love? Ooh. Come on now. So, you know, being the man that I am, I said, Duh. <laughs> Duh. Took a deep breath, said it's hate. All smug like, you know. Went on praising him. Oh Lord, you know it's hate. The Lord said, No, it isn't. I'm like, really? He dashed me out. He said the opposite of love is fear. Yes, sir. If you're sitting here tonight and you're fearful, you're not walking in the complete, wholesome love of God. If there's a little condition, a little something, a little thing that rises up to get you to fear, you're not living in the love of God. You know what the love of God says? Yes, I made a mistake, but I'm going to trust the blood of the Lamb of God. You remember those people I, were talk I was talking about that sometimes they are the ones that come to give voice to your circumstances. When they come to you, tell them, I'm not going to walk away from God. I'm not going to listen to you. How many of them said it to you, Brother Harold, when you came back from Denver? You know what we need to do? We need to put a can of beer in his hand and a joint and we'll straighten them out. But a chung. Still living for God. Why? Because he didn't let circumstances. He didn't let what somebody was saying about his walk with God turn him around. Instead, he said, I'm going to keep on. I'm not going to go the other way. I'm not going to last life. Way. Yeah, all the time, man. Yeah. That's how we're wired. Here's an easy way. Nope. 
Can't do it. That's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> I got to do it the hard way. The Lord says, all right. But Jeremiah said, return ye backsliding children. Yes. Let that algorithm diagnose the problem and don't go running the other way. Don't let them circumstances cause you to make a wrong decision because every choice you make becomes a chain. Return backsliding children and this is what he said. I will heal your backsliding ways. <laughs> Have you ever been to the doctor and he's diagnosed something that you don't like? Mm -hmm. Boy, we get bull bull. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you went. You asked him. So he just called you. <clears throat> Took your blood pressure and it was a little high. Took your pulse and it was a little high and he stuck that light into your eyes and like a normal person they didn't constrict instead they got bigger. <laughs> Not that bad. But we go and we ask the doctor to help us get well. And the moment he finds out, Sister Melissa, what the problem yes. is, he writes down, sits down and he writes out a prescription. Yes, sir. This is going to help you. You take this medication three times a day for the next 60 days. Okay, so we start out with it. Day one, day five, day 10, day 20, right on time. Right on time, taking that medication. But if you've done anything like I've done over the years, you start feeling better. And just because you start feeling better, you don't run to the medicine cabinet and take it religiously like you were doing right. for the last three weeks. Right. And you tell yourself, I'm feeling better. I can let it go today. Right. There's a lot of people start doing that when it comes to their soul. Oh. They start feeling a little connection and they think they can skip a service. Oh, it's just Wednesday night. It doesn't matter to me. This is just me. Whether Wednesday or Sunday, I'm going to come to the house of God.
just symptoms. And I'm not bathing the children because you're mad. They're just symptoms. Not cooking for your spouse. That's all a part of it. Sleeping late and pulling the curtains and, and telling yourself, I don't want to see anybody. Those are just symptoms. Jeremiah said, if you'll get back up, open the shades, and tell God how much you love him, he's going to come and heal you of your backsliding ways. He said, but this is the problem. You lie down in your shame. And you wallow in your shame. All you can think about is the wrong decision that you made. All you can think about is the wrong, amen, that you slipped up with. And I don't want you to lay there in your shame. I don't want you to wear your confusion. It's been covering you. But if you'll just stand back up, I am going to wash you with my blood. Because the danger of staying there is we allow those conditions to dictate our character. Yes, right. And we flip the switch on consecration. Right. Can I say this in the love of God? Because I've said this to a lot of churches. If, if you have a nonchalant attitude about a Wednesday night service and you feel like that's the time I can stay home, get things done, that's not the mindset for revival. That's what this man of God needs Come on. is somebody that says, Brother Harold, yes. Wednesday night or Hallelujah. not, yes. I'm going to show up. Yes. I may not be feeling the greatest, but I'm going to show up. Yes. And I might be near death, but I'm going to do my best to be there. Yes. Because David said, if I can just get to the house of God, my feet had almost slipped. When I thought about everybody else getting blessed, when I thought about the sinner having it all, they had more than heart could wish. And it almost overwhelmed me until I got to the house of God. And I began to realize I've got something they don't have. I've got joy in my soul. I've got peace in my mind. I can raise my hands. I can say, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to worry about some worldly situation. I said, here I am, God. So you allow those things, those circumstances, and those conditions to hold your faith hostage. You allow it to dictate you through fear. And so we become defensive. And even though I was as good as I was in basketball, I, heard, I thought Brother Harrison, oh, here we go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. We begin to let go consecration and we perch ourselves on top of a plateau where we're going nowhere that plateau is called reaction we react to everything that comes our way well they don't know what I'm doing well if they knew how much rent I had to pay plus my light bill and plus the car just bought and plus the fact I have no gas, he wouldn't be preaching that way. Come on. Come on well if you'd be honest with your tithes and your offerings, God would bless you. He 
some more. He said, there were moments when I was perplexed, but I was not in despair. There were moments when I was persecuted, but I was not forsaken. There were moments when I was cast down. I had scrapes on my hands and knees and on my face, but I was not destroyed. I refused to let my problems dictate who I am. I refused to let my failures define my character. Well, how do you bleed tonight, brother? I plead the blood. I'm going to run to the cross. And I'm going to say, blood, fall over me. I'm going to pray like David prayed. I fell down. But help me to get back up again. I'm down. But Lord, pick me up. I'm barely crawling, God. But help me to keep going forward. attracted me to Robert Hendrick the way he worshipped. He's a nice looking man. I probably just came with a package but she said what caught my eye was he was up front worshipping God and he was worshipping God and it was the same Sunday just like it was Wednesday and on revival night I'm going to praise God. Every good woman loves a man that's going to love Somebody say things. Amen. Conditions that hinder consecration. Yes, we look at the things that are not seen. And oh, for just a moment. If you as a church body could tap into the vision that this man sees. Just for a moment. Kneel down beside him. When he's praying at four o'clock in the morning. I feel this tonight. I feel the prophetic slipping on me tonight. I want us to lift our hands. Walk toward the blood tonight. Don't let your failures define you. Don't let them hold your faith hostage. I'm getting it back. I'm going to stand up. My bones are broken. My spirit's broken, yes, but I'm going to let God use that to his benefit tonight. <laughs> For the things that are seen are temporal. I'm, I'm partial to the vision that is extended over to the other side of this building. 
and I see it. I see it. A vision is simply a picture in your mind. You picture something you want to see, and you develop that picture. I see living stone on that side. God has some great things. Not in store, they're here. There's just some workability and some connection that needs to be made. He said, don't look at the things that are seen. Look at the things that are unseen. How do I do that? Through eyes of faith. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So I close with this. I've been up here for 45 minutes. I preface this message on that thought. Sunday night I spoke it to the few that were here. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. The thoughts of peace, not of evil. You didn't expect it. Time and again, prophets were summoned to go down to Judah to Israel and cry against their sin. This went on for a period of many, many years. 57 that I'm aware of, from Manasseh down to his son and grandsons, 57 years that God sent prophets, and yet the children of Israel and Judah went the other direction. 57 years that I can account for in Scripture, and it was longer than that. Until... I want you to notice this. That there was actually a moment in the history of Israel when the Lord told a man of God, Sister Betty, in Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 14, if you'll go there, if you mark this in your Bible, because I want you to keep this as a memorial because I feel this is prophetic right now. I am stepping in to the prophetic. There was a moment in Israel's history that the Lord said to the man of God. He says, and if I can get there myself, let me catch up to you. Jeremiah 11, is that what I said? Yep. 14. There was actually a moment when God told the man of God, stop praying for this people. Neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. Jeremiah, you're not the only one. I've sent Habakkuk in Isaiah. Down through the years I have sent prophets to bring a distinct call against my people. Turn from your wicked ways and turn back to me. You will find in about the 8th or ninth chapter of this same book of, Jerem or of Ezekiel rather, I'm sorry, Ezekiel. Ezekiel gives word and paints a word picture to a vision he sees. And in this vision the presence of God is leaving the altar. Yes. And it's bouncing around through the temple. And the Lord says by the voice of Ezekiel, He said, I am departing the house. Because as my spirit leaves, I want you to notice the places of worship that are happening right inside my temple. Yes. He shows a picture. He speaks of a picture of men with their backs to Jehovah yes. and their faces toward the sun. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
they accepted the influence and the ways of the Egyptians as they began to face the sun god Ra and began to sacrifice to the sun much like our people do now. I'm going to just go ahead and nail it down. It's nothing more than demonic worship. If you don't believe me, go to the book of Ezekiel. The Lord said, because of that, my spirit is leaving the temple. Then he stops at another group of people. Ezekiel says, what's this? They look pretty normal. He said, these people are given over to their imagination. And they're conjuring up all kinds of gods. They will worship anything that comes along. And so I got a question for us tonight. What are we doing with the most important commodity that we have been entrusted with? What are we doing with our time? Are we on Facebook more than we are on our face in prayer? People will stay up half the night just to follow, amen, the Facebook crowd. But when's the last time we came here and had an all-night prayer meeting? That kind of stuff hurts. I realize that. But I believe you're primed for it. God wants you to realize that there is something taking place. But he wants to use somebody. He wants to use somebody in this church. And it's got to be somebody that's willing. So, he says, stop praying for them because they have plenty of warning. And if they want to backslide so bad, I'm going to turn them over to the desire of their own hearts. Man of God, lift your hand and just step back. So it's on the heels of that statement. Go with me on the same book. 18 chapters later. Book of Jeremiah. The Lord says in Jeremiah 29 and 10, this is where that prophetic utterance comes on the heels of such spiritual darkness and decay. There wasn't a moral compass, much less a spiritual compass left in Israel. 29 and 10, for thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit and perform my good word towards you and causing you to return. Somebody say return. return. The emphasis tonight is on the return. Get yourselves ready because God is going to use you because there is a great return coming. I was in a meeting not more than 19 months ago where a man of God stood up and prophesied. In fact, it was tongues and interpretation. And the Lord said, this last move of my spirit will be for those that have tasted of me and have left me. And my spirit will reach one more time. And I will move. And I'm just paraphrasing what he said. I will move with restoration. And I will gather them from the four winds. Even those that have walked away from my goodness. For I, the Lord, am coming soon. And I desire to move for those who would allow me to move. That's what he said in that service. So now he's saying this. I'm going to cause them to return to this place. They're going to come back here with addictions. 
They're gonna come back here so broke. They've lost it all. Their marriage is just a story of the past. Quite literally, they're coming back. Their bodies are broke down. There's nothing a man that can identify a walk with God in their life. But the Lord said, I'm drawing them. Because I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. My promise held true for 70 years in Babylon. In the face of captivity, my thoughts of peace were still there and not of evil. To give you an expected end, even though the devil meant it for your destruction, I allowed those things, those conditions, and those circumstances to mold you in to a people of God. Now he says, amen, Brother Rich, instead of don't pray for them no more, or here's what he said then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart God doesn't just want a part of you tonight. That's right. God doesn't want you doing it just because you're trying to impress somebody. Yeah. God wants your whole heart tonight. Yes. 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 I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations. And from all the places whether I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into restoration is here Amen. I've seen it with my own eyes in a recent revival a young man that was backslid for many years went out, got into an alternate lifestyle, he was as gay and homosexual as they could get, but he plopped himself there on the front row as we began to preach the word of God there was a time or two, amen that I would come off the platform brother Aaron, preaching the word of God and he said every time you came my way I would almost get up and run out of the sanctuary did he not say that until finally he plops up off the pew begins to roll around in the floor as the holy ghost begins to deliver this young man Woo! and pop the 500 suit looking pretty sharp until the Holy Ghost begins to roll him around and he's getting deliverance and when he finally raises his hands he's talking in other tongues Most recently, last month, I got to pray for a gentleman who walked into a revival service. And he stood out, Brother Rich, because he was in a police uniform. He had to been about that tall, broad shouldered, muscular. You touch him, it's like a brick house. He come in his uniform minus his holster. And he's sitting toward the back. He isn't sitting there long, Sister Steph, until he's sobbing. 
Then I desire to speak to my people. I say unto thee, why would you allow your failures to define you? Why would you allow your past to dictate your future, saith the Lord? Yea, I desire somebody tonight that will turn their whole heart to me. Yea, even that part of you that you've given to other things that has robbed you of your time from the house of the Lord and from prayer and from the study of my word and from consecration, saith the Lord. Turn to me and I shall reward thee. Draw closer to me even in this hour of indecision. Draw near to me and I shall move for thee, saith the Lord. And ye shall testify of those things. For I am the Lord, I change not. Behold, I am coming soon. I am preparing my bride. I am making her ready, saith the Lord. Would you come to me? Would you lay aside your pride and your doubt and your arrogance? Would you bring to me all of your hurts and your pains? And I shall heal you, saith the Lord. For now is the time, saith the Lord. You're in the presence of the lender of broken dreams. Go ahead, keep praying. But Brother Craig, this is Wednesday night. It really doesn't matter to the Lord. Apparently, he wanted to come in. Go ahead, talk to him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Personally. It's time to come out of the shadows. It's time to stop making excuses.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
the taco sale Friday, of course, everything goes on. Our world goes on. Things of God. Amen. Look forward to it. And tomorrow night is, again, rehearsal for all those of you that are seniors and musicians. Let's, let's take our calling, let's take our gift seriously. Yes. And uh, attend to it. We can't get discouraged and quit. Right. Come back when we feel like it. Yes, sir. It's something that we always have to be attentive to. And praise God. Let's do our best. And I appreciate everybody in this church and this body and that does what they can to support the work here. We're all in this together. Amen. We're all in this together. We're going to see great things happen. Amen. Praise God. Great things happen. So we're so thankful. So let's pray right now let's ask the lord to bless us as we go our separate ways father we thank you thank you for your word good is the word of the lord that thou hast spoken to us O god we pray that your hand will be upon us O lord be upon your people amen god and lord we ask that you would put your hand upon brother craig and sister taryn and joel lord as they head south lord back home to texas god give them Amen. Godspeed, Lord. That's their journey, O oh Father. Amen, Lord. Be a good journey, Lord. Let your presence be with them. Keep them, O oh God. Give them strength and alertness, O oh Lord. Bless them, O oh God, as they continue to minister for you, Lord. Let your hand be upon them and give him, Lord, the strength that he needs. And God, the wisdom and the anointing, O oh Father. Jesus' name. And put your hand upon this work. Lord, you know our heart, Lord, you know our desire. Help us that we can, O oh Lord, that we can go forth, O oh Lord, and we can, amen, do a great work in your name. Bless us, O oh Lord. Keep us together, Lord, in unity, Lord. Amen, Father, that we, O oh Father, can do your will. This we ask in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Greet one another, you all just mentioned Jesus' name. Thanks for coming out on a Wednesday night.